Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Section 4 of To the Last Man by Zane Gray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2, Part 2 Jean's first sight of his future home thrilled him through. It was a big, low, rambling log structure standing well out from a wooded knoll at the edge of the valley. Corrals and barns and sheds lay off at the back. To the fore stretched broad pastures where numberless cattle and horses grazed. At sunset, the scene was one of rich color. Prosperity and abundance and peace seemed attendant upon that ranch. Lusty voices of burros braying and cows bawling seemed welcoming Jean. A hound bayed. The first cool touch of wind fanned Jean's cheek and brought a fragrance of wood smoke and frying ham. Horses in the pasture romped to the fence and whistled at these newcomers. Jean espied a white-faced black horse that gladdened his sight. Hello, white-face. I'll sure straddle you, called Jean. Then up the gentle slope he saw the tall figure of his father, the same as he had seen him thousands of times, bareheaded, shirt-sleeved, striding with long step. Jean waved and called to him. Hi, you prodigal, came the answer. Yes, the voice of his father, and Jean's boyhood memories flashed. He hurried his horse those last few rods. No, Dad was not the same. His hair shone gray. Here I am, Dad, called Jean, and then he was dismounting. A deep, quiet emotion settled over him, stilling the hurry, the eagerness, the pang in his breast. Son, I sure am glad to see you, said his father, and wrung his hand. Well, well, the size of you. Sure you've grown, and how you favor your mother. Jean felt in the iron clasp of hand, in the uplifting of the handsome head, in the strong, fine light of piercing eyes, that there was no difference in the spirit of his father. But the old smile could not hide lines and shades strange to Jean. Dad, I'm as glad as you, replied Jean heartily. It seems long we've been parted. Now I see you. Are you well, Dad, and all right? No complaining, son. I can ride all day, same as ever, he said. Come, never mind your horses. They'll be looked after. Come meet the folks. Well, well, you got here at last. On the porch of the house a group awaited Jean's coming. Rather silently, he thought, 
Wide-eyed children were there, very shy and watchful. The dark face of his sister corresponded with the image of her in his memory. She appeared taller, more womanly, as she embraced him. "'Oh, Jean, Jean, I'm glad you've come,' she cried, and pressed him close. Jean felt in her womanly anxiety for the present as well as affection for the past. He remembered his Aunt Mary, though he had not seen her for years. His half-brothers, Bill and Guy, had changed little except perhaps to grow lean and rangy. Bill resembled his father, though his aspect was jocular rather than serious. Guy was smaller, wiry, and hard as rock, with snapping eyes and a brown, still face, and he had the bow legs of a cattleman. Both had married in Arizona. Bill's wife, Kate, was a stout, comely little woman, mother of three children. The other wife was young, a strapping girl, red-headed and freckled, with wonderful lines of pain and strength in her face. Jean remembered, as he looked at her, that someone had written him about the tragedy in her life. When she was only a child, the Apaches had murdered all her family. The next to greet Jean were the little children, all shy, yet all manifestly impressed by the occasion. A warmth and intimacy of forgotten home emotions flooded over Jean. Sweet it was to get home to these relatives who loved him and welcomed him with quiet gladness. But there seemed more. Jean was quick to see the shadow in the eyes of the women in that household and to sense a strange reliance which his presence brought. "'Son, this here, Tonto, is a land of milk and honey,' said his father, as Jean gazed spellbound at the bounteous supper. Jean certainly performed gastronomic feats on this occasion, to the delight of Aunt Mary and the wonder of the children. "'Oh, he's starved to death,' whispered one of the little boys to his sister. They had begun to warm to this stranger uncle. Jean had no chance to talk, even if he had been able to, for the mealtime showed a relaxation of restraint, and they all tried to tell him things at once. In the bright lamplight, his father looked easier and happier as he beamed upon Jean. After supper, the men went into an adjoining room that appeared most comfortable and attractive. It was long, and the width of the house, with a huge stone fireplace, low ceiling of hewn timbers, and walls of the same, small windows with inside shutters of wood, and homemade table and chairs and rugs. "'Well, Jean, do you recollect those shooting irons?' inquired the rancher, pointing above the fireplace. Two guns hung on the spreading deer antlers there. One was a musket, Jean's father had used in the War of the Rebellion and the other was a long, heavy, muzzle-loading flintlock Kentucky rifle, with which Jean had learned to shoot. "'Reckon I do, Dad,' replied Jean, and with reverent hands and a rush of memory, he took the old gun down. "'Jean, you sure handle that old arm some clumsy,' said Guy Isbel dryly, and Bill added a remark to the effect that perhaps Jean had been leading a luxurious and tame life back there in Oregon and then added, but I reckon he's packing that six-shooter like a Texan. 
"'Say, I fetched a gun or two along with me,' replied Jean jocularly. "'Reckon I near broke my poor mule's back with the load of shells and guns. Dad, what was the idea of asking me to pack out an arsenal?' "'Son, sure all shooting arms and such are at a premium in the Tonto,' replied his father. "'And I was giving you a hunch to come loaded.' His cool, drawing voice seemed to put a damper upon the pleasantries. Right there Jean sensed the charged atmosphere. His brothers were bursting with utterance about to break forth, and his father suddenly wore a look that recalled to Jean critical times of days long past. But the entrance of the children and the women folk put an end to confidences. Evidently the youngsters were laboring under subdued excitement. They preceded their mother, the smallest boy in the lead. For him, this must have been both a dreadful and wonderful experience, for he seemed to be pushed forward by his sister and brother and mother, and driven by yearnings of his own. There now, Lee. Say, Uncle Jean, what did you fetch us? The lad hesitated for a shy, frightened look at Jean, and then, gaining something from his scrutiny of his uncle, he toddled forward and bravely delivered the question of tremendous importance. "'What did I fetch you? Hey!' cried Jean in delight as he took the lad upon his knee. "'Wouldn't you like to know?' "'I didn't forget, Lee. I remembered you all. Oh, the job I had packing your bundle of presents. Now, Lee, make a guess.' "'I guess you fetched a dun,' replied Lee. "'A dun? I'll bet you mean a gun,' laughed Jean. "'Well, you four-year-old Texas gunman, make another guess.' That appeared too momentous and entrancing for the other two youngsters, and adding their shrill and 